0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I've talked to uh, the family members of, uh, of victims in this country, murder victims, and they've, they've, been, they've had their victims, in fact, statements slashed. Oh, and the, uh, the murderer, the convicted murderer, gets to see it first before it's read out. It's the way it works. Most people don't know this. So I thought after our second conversation with Mr. Paris and with Carol DiDelli, um we go back to our to, For me, he's the pillar of information when it comes to criminal justice in this country, and I know that there's a, there's a move from criminal justice to the healthcare system when it comes to uh, NCR but uh, for me the pillar of information when it comes to the criminal justice system is my friend Scott Newark professor at Simon Fraser University former Alberta Crown prosecutor also the former executive director of the Canadian Police Association so Scott thank you for coming back on the show and let's talk about NCR but if we can if we can do this first when I listen to Mr Paris whose 24 year old daughter Caitlin was killed Brentwood five killings in 2014 I want to listen to Carol Ladelli, whose son Tim McLean, was so gruesomely killed on that bus in manitoba most people know that story from 12 years ago when i hear them say that their victims impact statements are redacted by the system that's obscene
1: i uh, completely agree and it's a uh, sign of disrespect and i think it's also an indication of um, an institutional bias within a system that they know best and what their criteria are is what's going to be governed. And the law says that you can make a statement, but that doesn't mean that we have to show you any uh, respect whatsoever. Uh, that is, uh, I think it's completely outrageous, as I say. And by the way, I listened to your last uh, segment, and uh, just I, I think it's just such a demonstration of a completely flawed system. Okay, that, I mean, if you, and by the way, I heard your comment that you're not allowed to say that the guy was a, a murderer. Yes, you are. He was a murderer. Okay, but because of our criminal code legislation in Section 16, he's not convicted. But he still did what he did. And that's something that I think was at the core of what your previous guests were speaking to. Okay, it's as though everybody just wants to sort of look the other way and ignore what he was. Well, he wasn't in there for, you know, um, shoplifting. He did what he did, and think of it. This okay, way. so now, so now
0: what I, so now what I've been told over the years is, once you've been designated NCR, not criminally responsible, you can no longer call that person a murderer. That's wrong. Okay.
1: They weren't convicted. You, know, you can't call them a convicted criminal, but they still did what they did.
0: Listen, I, I want to get from you the the rationale for NCR, and I understand the mental health aspect of, it. and let me just flesh this out a little bit. You know the story of the Montreal or the Quebec, I think it's Montreal cardiologist who murdered his two children, stabbed yep. them to death, little kids, and uh, was declared not criminally responsible, and gave interviews and said, "Well, he hoped to get his medical license restored, become remarried, and have children again. Yeah So then God bless the crown because they said something' all right here." and they investigated again, and they found that he was not um, ill, and they charged him with murder, they took him to court, and he was convicted of, of murdering his two kids. Yeah. You know, but it, what's, it, the what's the rationale? What's the overall rationale for NCR?
1: Um, well, it used to be called, in my day, it was known as insanity, okay, and then it was changed, and I must admit, one of the observations that I had, and I really, were a, I had a couple of cases where it was you know, sort of marginally raised, but I only had one where it was really seriously... Uh, taken uh, to court and argued at uh, at the court level. Um, and uh, the uh, what struck me at the point was, at the time was, and it, it's still, I think, true today, is that if you step back for a second, the crime becomes the defense. Okay, the nature, the horrific and savage nature of what was done somehow becomes, I think, this self-justification, though, oh, that there must be you know, some uh, reason why this person did it, and the more horrific it is, the more likely that someone is going to make a successful argument. And think of it, the, the comparison as well, too. You know, criminal justice system, if somebody, somebody who knows what they're doing is, is able to control what they're doing, if they're convicted of illegally killing somebody, convicted of murder, okay... And they get a life sentence. They don't necessarily spend the rest of their life in jail, but they're subject to some level of supervision and monitoring for the rest of their life. But if somebody who doesn't know what they were doing or can't control it is found NCR for killing people, they can be released without supervision? That's absurd. That's completely absurd.
0: And I want to state this because it needs to be said. This is not being talked about uh, with any sense of indifference mental health issues we know that that's an extremely serious issue and it's been underplayed under under understood if we can use that term for far too many years but we're talking here about specific cases involving specific people and specific acts and results
1: i I must admit i would um, i'd like to know uh, the law was changed uh, about six years ago under the conservative government and they created what were called high-risk offender designations and it put restrictions on them so that if, and again, if they, and this guy would qualify for it, um, that uh, the Crown could go to court and get an order before the guy is released, absolutely, the Crown could go to court and try to get an order, designate him that way. And that meant that, um, first of all, they don't get to have their hearing every year and put the victim's family through it every year. It's a three year delay, which is a good idea, and there are stated criteria specifically in there that makes it more difficult to release them in other words sort of higher criteria but one of the things that I found in the in the section that I think is also ridiculous is that the uh, provisions of the criminal Code prohibit adding taking medication and treatment as a condition of the release unless the individual consents to it again say that, that again it's just completely ignoring say, say, no, say that how again the person got in there
0: so say that again what what is that again
1: that the to have as a condition of release, to have somebody subject to, you know, taking certain medication or right. having psychiatric treatment as well too, they have to consent to it.
0: That's nuts. So so my Will irony. Baker Will Baker once Vin, Vince Lee, when he was released in two thousand and seventeen, if the decision had been made that because of what you did and because of the condition that you're living with the mental health issues that you're living with. A condition of your release is going to be that you must uh, submit to taking medication. Is that okay with you? Is that the way it would have been put?
1: That's my understanding of it. And of course, you know, the people who want to get released, of course, will likely uh, consent to the uh, uh, to, to taking the uh, the conditions. Whether they're enforced yeah. or not is an actual other question. And, you know, another point about this is that I, I believe it was Carol who made the point. You look at these cases and how many of them, of these people uh, that were, you know, hearing the story about after the murders take place, actually were in and out of the mental health system, which failed to provi- you know, provide the public protection, which should be a right. And failed
0: that. And then simultaneously, Scott, and then failed them problems, too.
1: But it's a and public safety issue.
0: Yeah, and it failed them as well.
1: Correct. Absolutely. And, you know, it's the same thing about why the police ended up getting more and more responsibility for mental health cases. It's because the mental health system failed. So you know, I was... Say, uh, you,
0: you know, hey, exactly Scott, you know why the uh, uh, review that Scott, the,
1: the, the, uh, your two previous guests talked about.
0: Yeah, I just have to tell you this, because... You know, I was on the advisory board for yep. the public safety minister federally in the Harper government, uh, for for Corcan, and I I left that board because there was a conflict of interest. I was finding out things that I would have had to broadcast, but I remember being in a one. We went to a number of prisons one day, over two days actually, and we checked this Corcan program, which is a which is a licensing program, which you know it's a, it's a it's a, it's a you get an actual journeyman certificate at the end yeah, of the of, yeah. the of the program, right? So they took us into one room where there were people doing, I don't know what they were doing, and and they were part of the Corcam program. And I asked the guard who was with us, what's going on here? And he said, unfortunately, these are people who have mental health issues. They should not be in this prison. They need to be in a mental health care facility, but they bring them here and now we have to find something for them to do. And they got into the Corkan program. It was just so um, manipulative. And I have about 30 seconds, so wrap it up for me, please, my friend. Okay,
1: well, I don't, I don't have a disagreement with the fact that they can be in a non-custodial, you know, non-prison environment. But we have to be honest about it and recognize what they did that got them in there and the public interest. Yeah which means that we don't just treat them as though, you know, um, what they actually did actually occurred, and the public safety risk that goes with that. So we need yeah, to be I, honest I, about it, because that's what the yeah. justice system is supposed to do.
0: Yeah, the guy that, that, that I was talking to was a professional prison guard. He'd yeah. been doing it for years, and his assessment was they shouldn't be in there, but they didn't have anywhere else to put them, so they... Put them into the prison. But that and...
1: doesn't mean that our system needs to pretend that they didn't do anything
0: that no, was I got a you.
1: public safety concern. I
0: got you. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.